Connecting with the small group network in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Group Talk. Group Talk. A podcast centered around strategic ideas for leaders of small groups. Whether you're stuck in your ministry or you're just looking for practical wisdom to help you in your ministry context, the small group network exists to keep you supported, inspired, and informed so no small group point person stands alone. Let's get ready for today's episode of Group Talk. Welcome to Group Talk. Thank you for joining us. Well, we would all agree that everyone needs community, and in churches, one of the best ways to develop relationships in community is through small groups. Um, I remember when we had the Vice President of LifeWay Christian Resources, Eric Geiger, on Group Talk earlier this year, he talked about the uh, research that he and Ed Stetcher's book, Transformational Groups, um, found and that indicated that people who are in groups are more likely to read the Bible, to pray, to have spiritual conversations with non-believers, and even to give, which were all indicators of a growing disciple. So then the critical question for all of us in small groups ministry is then how do we get more adults in groups and have these kinds of um, positive results happen? And so our guest today has experienced a church where 90% of the adult members are in small groups. Um, so he knows how to get it done and has some great ideas on how to increase the number of people engaged in groups at your church. And so with me on the program is um, Chris Surratt. Chris, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, Chris, um, many of you probably know Chris already. He has been um, in Songs Ministry for a long time. He's a pastor, a speaker, and now a brand-new author. Uh, congratulations on releasing your first book. Thank you. It has been a great and uh and yeah, it's been a great experience. I was gonna say it's been a trying experience, but that was the writing <laughs> part. Now it's a lot of fun. So yeah, thank you. That's the fun part. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. his book is called um Small Groups for the Rest of Us. How to design your small group system to reach the fringes. Um and I can't wait to have this conversation. I've been looking forward to it since I read your book. Um let me tell you a little bit about Chris. He is now as of a month and a half the discipleship specialist for small groups smallgroup.com at Lifeway Resources. Um, he's also ministry consultant with the Unstuck Group. And most recently, he was the pastor of ministries at Cross Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where he oversaw and helped guide small groups in global and local excuse me, groups across five campuses. That's a big church. Um, before coming to Cross Point in 2009, Chris was on staff at Seacoast Church, which is a fast-growing church in South Carolina, 15 years, serving as the worship arts pastor, um, campus pastor, and then also on the leadership team there. And so now I, part of why we had you on, on, um, on the program, of course, is that you are a small group practitioner for a long time. And, I, and that really comes across in your book, Chris, because hmm. um, it's very practical, and I really appreciated that part of it. Was that one of your um, intentional goals in writing this? Yes, I um, tend to think practically. I think it's because I'm I'm not actually that smart, and so I try to leave a lot of the philosophical thinking to uh, you know other people like you and Steve Gladen and people like that. And uh, yeah, well, I, and I have not written a book. Can we just so obviously I'm not that smart either. <laughs> well, I, I take your ideas, like I took Steve's ideas, and uh, basically um, you know made them practical so I could understand them, and then I put them in a book. So yeah, no, I. I, I like to read books that are practical and kind of get down to some of the nuts and bolts and experiences of the people that are uh, writing them. So that was kind of my goal was to um, 
tell other small group pastors that, you know, even large churches make mistakes, and we learn as we go along, and uh, here are some ideas that we've tried, and some have worked, some haven't, and, uh, you know, hopefully it can help you. Um, and, and my idea was that you would take this book and implement it as a system. My idea was I'm going to give you some of my thoughts and things we've tried, and hopefully you can make them better, and maybe it's a starting point for a conversation uh, that leads to something bigger and better. So, yeah, that was kind of my idea behind the book. That's very cool, and it does come through. It's terrific. I it, I, I like what you said about it not being a kind of a blueprint or a system. Um, you're not advocating another model so much as um, ideas that can be put into any number of contexts, regardless of church size or regardless of even denominations or um, of environments that people are in, whether, you know, they're really pro-groups environment or not so pro-groups. You seem to have something in there for for kind of a wide range of smaller practitioners. Um, and I would say that's probably what it's adding to the field, right? Yeah, and, um, yeah, and I, I purposely didn't want to um... – lay out a model um, because I think a lot of times small group pastors tend to get into trouble when we jump from model to model. And so I've been there, trust me, you know, when when we (laughs) see something that's that seems to be working at another church, like a, a Saddleback or a North Point or a North Coast or something like that, we go, okay, let's just grab that model and let's make it ours and, and let's go that direction. And I think it, it creates just some whiplash for uh, members at your church yeah. because, you know, they don't, they don't, they're just grasping what you started, you know, six months ago and now you're completely changing it. And at some point they're going to get tired and just give up. Um, trying to be in community, right. and so I didn't want to kind of instigate another model that <laughs> churches would go, let's do that, and so I just wanted to give some ideas, and hopefully you can tweak those ideas and fit them into your church's DNA, into the model that you already have, um, because only only you know the context of, of where you are. Sure. And so, yeah, so that's, I really wanted to stay away from, here's a blueprint, make it happen at your church, and hopefully hopefully that comes across. It very much so. It does. Okay, well, let's start off with the title. This is interesting. You said small groups for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. So would you explain that What if you have a us, then there's a them, right? So who's the us, who's the them? No, that, yeah. I, I, you know, if I was the title, truthfully, it would be small groups for me, honestly, because... <laughs> That wouldn't sell as much. No, probably not, but, you know, know, I would have bought it. I don't know. But uh, really, I started with the idea of I'm not the typical uh, church member who loves small groups, to be honest with you. I'm an introvert by nature, even though I've been a pastor for, you know, over 23 years now. um, I get energy from not being around people. So I can be around people, I can pastor, but then I need to get away. And so... I think our typical small group system is built for the extroverted church member who has no problem, you know, going to somebody else's house and uh, kind of being, you know, the, being in, a, in an environment where they have to talk a lot, <clears throat> make conversation, and you know, at some point talk about their their life and their inner struggles. And that's just that's just not natural for me. And so I felt like our systems that that even I was putting in place was missing a a big chunk of people just like me who wouldn't naturally just jump into a a small group system. And so as I was thinking through that, how do we reach introverts 
um, other groups of people kind of jumped out at me like we were missing men because um, mm-hmm. men aren't naturally inclined to jump into a small group either. Uh, we had plenty of women's groups. Uh, women tend to kind of, in, in my experience, to gravitate toward community a lot faster than, than guys do. Right. And so how do we get men into small groups? And that led to, okay, how do we get people who wouldn't even maybe come to church for their first visit to be in a small group? How can we uh, design our small group systems to be um, evangelistic? You know, how do we reach our community, our friends, and and have that be the front door of the church? And so that's kind of where the, the us and them came from, and it's not really uh, us versus them because obviously we want church members to be in small groups. It's an important discipleship piece, but we don't want to exclude those that are outside of that bubble. So that's kind of where the title came from. So small groups for me, really. (laughs) So the us is is basically your subtitle, the how to design your small group system to reach the fringe. So the fringe you're defining as introverts and uh, non-believers, people who normally wouldn't be attracted to the idea of showing up um, sight unseen and into um, someone who's living room for the first time in clusters of 10 to 12, ready to share your deepest secrets. Correct, yes. And I tell a story, <laughs> it's kind of a horror story in the book, but about going to my first men's uh, breakfast and they broke us into small groups. And uh, the idea was that we were supposed to go around our table. I didn't know any of the guys at my table um, and basically tell our innermost struggle to the group. And so then we could pray for each other. And uh, <laughs> as we went around the table, the, the, yeah, the inner struggles got worse and worse. And at some point I'm I was pretty sure that some of them weren't legal in the state that I was sitting in, you know, <laughs> and so it got to me, and I just kind of looked down on my food and said, you know, uh, I don't pray enough and, and read my Bible every day, and let's move on, you know, so that that's that's a scary kind of idea that I think uh, our small group systems put out to a lot of people, is that you're going to have to um, go in and immediately kind of bury your soul in front of strangers and people that, you, you know, you don't even trust yet. And so I kind of wanted to break down some of those walls and see, see where it went. Well, I, I thought it was so refreshing. Um, you had me in the first sentence of the book where you say, um, let's go ahead and get this out of the way from the beginning to the normal church outsider small groups are weird. Mm-hmm. And I just, I literally laughed out loud because I thought we all know this. Those of us in this ministry, we know how, how odd this construct is. Uh, because you don't see it in other parts of, of society. Like, where else would you meet with a bunch of strangers and say, hey, come to my living room and let's start talking about the meaningful things in life? Like, that doesn't right. happen with us in relationship first. And so I, I thought it was refreshing to start off the back going, okay, this is, this is weird. Um, and then you kind of build from there. Why, why was it important, you think, to start off with that, um, you know, that platform, to just put it out there? Well, I mean, it's because it's how I feel, to be honest with you. I mean, when I think about some of the things, and it's not just small groups, but there's some of the things in in church life that that to the outsider, it's just weird. I mean, um, you know, when you think about baptism, you know, getting dunked underwater, that's just just kind of weird. You know, there's there's these things that we just kind of take for granted because we understand the meaning and the 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 you know theology behind them, but to the outsider, they just seem weird. And I think small groups is one of those front-facing things uh, that 
that when you come to church, you see immediately small groups, join a small group, be a part of a small group. And to most people, it's just got to be a weird idea that when you come into a church, they want you immediately to get into these groups. Because, you know, we are all in small groups, whether we know it or not. I mean, we have groups, uh, whether it's our coworkers or, you know, people at, at schools or whatever, we're in these groups, so we get that. But this whole kind of get together with strangers and study the Bible and talk about, um, you know, spiritual things in your life is just a foreign concept to throw into the idea of groups. And so, yeah, I just wanted to start there and kind of get the elephant, you know, uh, that was in the room kind of on the first page. And and maybe maybe it's just me. You know, maybe I'm just weird, but that's, that's <laughs> no, kind you of my... Because I, I, it grabbed my attention, too. I'm like, what group? It is weird. <laughs> and you don't want to bury the headline, so I thought, hey, let's let's grab somebody, let's grab their attention from page one. So yeah, and yet we pour our lives into this, you know, for years and years. Um, yes. And so, you know, why why would we do this uphill battle of creating community in this construct that that is weird? And what is the payoff for that? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I go on in that chapter to talk about the reason why uh, you know I've given my life to this is because it changed my life. Um, I can't imagine uh, just being where I am if I didn't have a small group of people around me that believe in me and pray for me and 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 to do life with. And so, even though it's weird, um, I've kind of figured out that it's probably weird because I'm um, I'm a part of it. You know, it's it's so huge to the transformation of who I am that I can't imagine doing life without it. Um, yeah, so uh, even though it's weird, I, I think we need it. We have to have it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's go back now. What uh, When you talk about uh, designing a system or a ministry um, where the people on the fringe um, that don't typically um, step up and join the group or want to be and to how to get over that barrier. So what are some adjustments that a church would have to make and maybe it's thinking um, or ministry philosophy to even reach the people on the fringe. I think churches, there, you know, there's several things that, that you have to start rethinking. I think you have to think through the lens of of that person and. I think we easily a lot of a lot of churches do it easily with their Sunday morning service or their weekend service. You know, we we think through the lens of the outsider that's going to come and and sit on the on the chairs of the pews, and we don't really think through the same lens when it comes to um, some other parts of our church and especially with small groups. Um, so I think you have to start thinking through through that lens. What are we offering? What does it look like? Um, who are we allowing? to lead or host those groups. I mean, a real kind of paradigm shift for me was when I really got to know Steve Gladen and and read his book and kind of saw the possibilities of what if you opened up, you know, I hate saying lower the bar, you know, because that that makes it sound like, anyways, I just hate that term, but what if you opened up the kind of the scope of who who can host a group or who can lead a group, and you said, hey, why don't you invite the people that you already know, that you do life with, um, you know, the people that live on your block, uh, that, that go to your kids' games, your coworkers. What if you invited them to your house and we gave you resources, um, you know, we gave you curriculum and kind of help coach and, and guide you along in the process, but not put any other stipulations in there as far as what you need to be or have gone through to be able to do this. And so that opens up, I think, a whole new uh, just 
circle, you know, if you think of it through the Rick Warren, the crowd and the community, that just really opens up that community uh, piece of they can start with a small group before they even go to church. What if they started with relationship, you know? What if they started with that relationship that they have in their community, and then they took that first that step into the, the church front door. What if we design groups with that lens? What would that look like? And so we started thinking through that um, as far as the outsider and really opening that up. And when we started this whole process at Crosspoint, we were at about probably 30% that were in groups, 35% somewhere mm-hmm. in that range. And our goal was always to have 80% in our groups. And that, that came from our pastor from day one. And so we really had to rethink, if we're going to get 80%, how do we do that? And so we started opening up some of those those doors and those possibilities for people to host and lead groups. And uh, we did the same thing with men. We started thinking about, okay, how do we reach men where they are? They're already you know gathering in, in groups, but how do we help them put God into that. And, uh, you know, for introverts, how do we make easy inroads to being a part of a group? You know, do we uh, create mid-sized groups that are a little bit more comfortable for somebody to go into if they're, they don't right. want to go to somebody's home? You know, how do we uh, give them on-ramps as far as signing up for groups and instead of having to go and, you know, talk to somebody at a table? Can we give them more of an online listing? You know, stuff like that. And so just really kind of breaking down some of those barriers that I think we put up unnecessarily um, that really don't have to be there. And so when we did that, and it took some time. Now, this is not something that we decided overnight, and the next day we had 90%. It probably took about three years of kind of working through some ideas and some processes. And it also uh, meant sitting sitting down with the senior pastor and the leadership and saying, listen, if we do this, it's going to open up some questions. It's going to put some people into some spots that they wouldn't necessarily have been in if you know, if we hadn't opened up the kind of the scope of what a leader can be and, and them being comfortable with that. And then about three years later is when we were starting to see some numbers like 80, 90 percent that were in groups. And when I say 90 percent, it's not necessarily that that 90 totally came from people that are members of our church or sit on a Sunday morning, um, we were reaching people that hadn't even shown up at our church yet. So, you know, when you run the numbers, that's when you can start getting 90, 100 percent, you know, those kind of those kind of percentages. Well, I think, um, gosh, there's, there's a lot in there. Let's unpack one piece of it. I'm uh, intrigued by this concept of using the small groups as the front door rather than the back door, because I think most of us understand um, the appeal of relational connectivity through small groups to be something that helps with assimilation and connection so that people mm-hmm. don't leave your church. I think there's been plenty written about that, and um, we've probably all experienced that to some extent. And that's largely, I think, and maybe it's a little cynical of me, that why um, churches have really taken to the small group idea, because they do want to close that back door. But sure. this is uh, this is a very different approach. And you're right, Salbeck has really done an amazing job um, with this model and with this type of thinking. But you, but there's still, don't you think, Chris, still a bit of reluctance to do the front door and to use that lens of the, um, the outsider or the person on the fringe to design a small group system because there seems to be this um, tension between groups that want to do discipleship, which largely gets defined by more of a, um, you know, internal, we need to grow deep in the Lord together, therefore uh, it would be awkward and uncomfortable and appropriate to have 
you know, non-believers in there or, you know, the people in there. Somehow we need, you know, we need it to be um, people who are in similar stage of spiritual development or something, um, and we're going to focus on discipleship versus, and there's other types of groups that is much more like the Salamak model, which is very evangelistically focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're con- and they seem to be primarily concerned about reaching um, the unsaved or people you know on the fringe of of church. Um, but does it have to be one or the other? I mean, is you know it, can you do both? Yeah, no, I think you can do both. I think that it comes down to a control factor. Um, I think a lot of times that uh, we as pastors and churches want to control. Uh, every piece of the discipleship process, um, which I, I understand, because you know, if you don't have at least some pulse of it, it can it can go south, and you know, uh, you know, bad theology and bad doctrine and, and all of that. But I, I also think that you can so tightly control it that you miss the fact that um, you have this built-in relational piece with small groups that really is an easy step for evangelism if we just kind of um, refocus and um, kind of open up the the possibilities of what small groups can be. And and I think you have to think about what is discipleship. What is, what is your definition, definition of discipleship? Um, for me, and I talk about it in the book, um, discipleship is taking your next step, you know, to Jesus. And wherever you are in on that line, whether it's you're your seeker, or you've, uh, you know, you're just starting out, or you're well down the line. There's a next step for all of us, and so I think if you're uh, positioning your groups as for evangelism, um, you're still discipling. You know, you're taking somebody sure. from sure. where they are to their next step, and just where that step is is different for everybody. So I don't know that you can say that um, because your groups are are open to people not even in the church yet, they're not discipleship groups. I, I don't buy that argument. I, I really think that discipleship is um, is happening in all of us if we're leaning in more toward Jesus is and, and what our next step is. So, yes, absolutely, I think they can be both. I think a group can be evangelism-focused and discipleship-focused at the same time. And I think you can have groups across the spectrum as well. Not every group and not every leader is going to be equipped to uh, reach people um, that are far from God, that aren't believers yet, that don't attend church yet. Not every leader is ready for that, and that's okay. Um, some leaders are more equipped, and you just have to kind of, you know, that's almost a case-by-case uh, deal. So I think you, not every group has to be completely evangelistic-focused, um, but I think there are groups that, that can do it and can be both, if that makes sense. No, it does, and I, I totally agree. I think it's, not, it's a false dichotomy. It's more about comfort. Um, I think when, when, you know, groups tell me they, they want to stay in the same because they want to go deeper together, I always kind of go, hmm, because evangelism is an essential part of discipleship. You really can't separate them out. But I like, no. I like uh, your distinction that some leaders are not ready necessarily or gifted um, for that, and I think to be sensitive to, you know, if you're going to try out some of these ideas, to be sensitive to the fact that you don't have to, to um, kill your whole system, but maybe you can experiment with a part of it. Um, and create some front door groups uh, while you're still doing, you know, whatever other piece you still have going um, in your ongoing system. Um, exactly. So I, I talk in the book, but I love turbo groups where you're going to just try something for like six weeks and see how it goes. So just just give it a, give it a try. 
It's that everything is an experiment that Heather Zempel talks about. I remember yeah. thinking, okay. I love that. Love that. <laughs> it's a great line. Um, okay, so you also say in the book is that providing environments for people to grow spiritually, um, but also having fun while doing it. I thought that was interesting because most um, small group point leaders would agree, of course, we want people to provide environments for people to grow. That's pretty much our job description. But mm-hmm. having fun while doing it, now, why do you see fun as um, it's an important part of this? Well, I think, um, you know, for a lot of people when they think discipleship, they think books and knowledge and <laughs> uh, teaching and lecture and, you know, whether whatever you grew up in, whatever system you grew up in, the, you know, the, you're going to kind of fall back on that. And so I think that we have to, you know, it's funny when you look at Jesus and his disciples, it's almost like they were on a, a, a guy's road trip. You know, they, they did guy <laughs> things. They had fun. They hung out together. They, it wasn't just sitting, you know, there were times where they sat and just listened to Jesus teach, but there were times that they were just out doing, doing guy stuff. And so I think that's, that's a big piece of, of growing spiritually, of being discipled is just doing life together and having fun. And I think we can suck all of that fun out of it um, with some of the ways that, that that we define what it means to be a disciple and how you, how you get there, you know. So um, if small groups aren't fun, I don't think, you know, there's going to be a segment of people that want to be in them, but I don't want to be friends with those people, to be honest with you, because <laughs> I, I, I like to have I like to have fun. So, um, and you know, and that's why you you have food because you know food is is the fun part of life. And so you know, it's just I think small groups without fun is is uh, is not not where where most people want to be. You know, when you're talking about food, I just had a flashback to last time I was in Nashville, and you guys know how to eat over there. And um, everything is drenched in butter. Everything is, like, high-fat, saturated everything. And I'm from Southern California, and we're very conscious of, you know, calorie count and and health and all that. I'm not, but in general, this culture is. And I remember looking at the menu going, okay, you really, like, this. everything is so good. And they're like, this is the fun part. Um, because and, and I think we kind of do that with groups when we, we make it so serious. Um, and it is, it is serious. It's meaningful. But it doesn't have to be dreadful. Um, we, we and do, I think that's, that's a good analogy. You know, if we we're create, not having... <laughs> yeah, we create vegan groups. <laughs> well, we, vegan, we, we, okay. We're talking now here. Okay, now we have between the gluten-free, vegan, and I mean all sorts of, of things that it's there's no fun in food. It's like really. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, broccoli pizza groups. You know, it's just it, no. You got to put some meat on there. You got to got to have your barbecue chicken on your on your pizza. That's that's what our groups are about. So I, I also, I mean, in a very practical way, if um, people are really busy, and if thing if the group is not fun, and there's not a relational chemistry of the lightheartedness at times, um, life is hard. You kind of need those yeah. moments. I don't think people will stick, Christian or non-Christian. I don't think people stick around for long if there isn't a sense of, um, you know, light, lightheartedness and joy in it. And that is, you call that the secret sauce, and I agree. I, I think that is what keeps people coming back so that they can get the broccoli um, and the healthy stuff. And eventually broccoli tastes really good. You just have to put some stuff on it. So you, it, it kind of provides that. So I just thought that was interesting. 
at that piece, especially if you're going to make it a front door point, it, it seems important to make sure that you have some fun built in, uh, whether it's your curriculum or, you know, uh, social times or something else. Um, it seems like it's an important piece of it. Um, well, my yep. favorite line in the book might be this one, Chris, is that you say small group point leaders have the most important job in the church. I think some senior pastors might disagree, but this is, <laughs> this is why it's a bestseller, because everyone's long ministry wants to hear that. <laughs> now, why do, you, why do you say that? Because I'm a small group pastor. I mean, that's, you Not know. Anymore, um, Not anymore, though. Not anymore. So now you, no. now you would change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I now have a uh, I now have a product called smallgroup.com. So I definitely still uh, love and believe in small groups. But I do. I think um, you know the, we're at the front lines of of helping people um, be discipled. And you know, obviously, uh, every position you know you need youth pastors, you need senior pastors, and yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, okay, now you're backpedaling. <laughs> Right, 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 yeah, but I want a lot of people to buy my book, so you know, you gotta be all things to all people. That's what Paul said, right? Um, but uh, no, but it is a key, important piece that I think is getting more important as we go along. It, you know, just a few years ago, um, I, there weren't a ton of churches that had a small group pastor role. You know, a lot of times it was handled by somebody that was part time or it was on the menu of another pastor. Uh, that was doing something else, and it seems like just in the last sure. probably five, ten years, it's become a specialty where you have somebody on staff that that's what they think about are small groups. And I think you know that churches are waking up to the fact that it is a key um, part of of uh, churches and this, this discipleship process. And we need somebody that's championing that, that's thinking about it, that's living it and breathing it. And so, yeah, I do think it's a, a crucial, crucial part of uh, any church. Well, as um, as I read through, I think that the book has so many um, practical ideas and advice. And the whole tone, and partly because, you know, um, I know you and we've interacted over the years, I just found myself nodding and going, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we did try that. Yeah, we had that result, too. <laughs> you know, it, there's just a sense, I think, for you know, any of our listeners, um, do you want to feel like, grab a chair, hang out with Chris, and talk group, and there's a lot of it that will resonate with your own experience. And then there's other stuff that was kind of like, huh, I wonder how that would work here. Um, that mm-hmm. just is kind of insightful and interesting. Um, so I think it's a very valuable resource. I'm so glad you wrote it. I know it took you a little while because, you know, you had a job, had a family, had other things going on. <laughs> and I know people are pushing you to write it for a while, so I'm really glad that you did, and it is an excellent book. Um, is there any final thoughts that you'd like to share before we go? Sure, yeah, and I know that are, there are a lot of um, probably small group point people that are volunteers or part-time or, you know, whatever, and they're thinking, well, how do I have the time, you know, to do all this? And, and I just want to say that um, that what you do is extremely, extremely important and um, and that, that don't give up, you know. Um, keep going because we need people that, that are helping disciple people who disciple people, and I hope Hopefully this book can give you some encouragement um, because I have been uh, all along the path. I was at a church um, uh, that was around, actually, that I helped start. And so we started with 20 people, and uh, it went from 100 to topped out at 400, so I've been in that space, and I've been at the church that's, uh, you know, 10, 12,000, and so um, don't, 
uh, don't let go. Don't give up. What you're doing is vitally important to the kingdom, and, and, and you are the front lines of discipleship. And so if my book can encourage you, I am so happy to do that. And if I can encourage you in other ways, please reach out to me. Um, I love to answer questions. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at, at Chris Surratt or you know, shoot me an email at chrisratt at gmail.com. But I'd love to help in any way that I possibly can. Thank you, Chris, um, and I would take advantage of that if you guys want to follow up with Chris. Um, God bless you and your ministry and your new job hanging out with Rick Howerton out there in Lifeway. Um, I hope all of that goes well, and I look forward to hearing more about how this book is going to be impacting um, the small groups movement. So uh, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. This has been fun. <laughs> well, you can read uh, more about Chris on his website um, or follow him there. It's chrisdurat.com. And um, also, Chris is part of the Small Group Network. He's a member on our Facebook network page, and so um, he's graciously agreed to answer questions and interact with you there. So after you listen, if you have some questions or after you read the book and you think and you want to push back on something um, or you're, you just want to know more, uh, feel free to interact with Chris there. He'll be answering questions um, on that page. And, of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you can leave, listen easily every month. So thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. If you liked what you just heard, we encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com. Also, use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you get all the episodes downloaded automatically. Remember, the Small Group Network exists so nobody stands alone.